0: We're so glad that you are joining us today. You may realize I'm not Noel. And so he is not here this morning. He is um, out this week studying and preparing for uh, the weeks that lie ahead to the end of the year. Um, I'm so thankful that he's had this opportunity to study God's Word and to prepare uh, what God is going to be doing for the rest of the year for us. And I'm thankful that I get to come and to to preach. I don't get to do that often, and so I'm very thankful for every opportunity that I have. And because of that, um, it may be a little longer, so grab a snack (laughs) and let's get into God's Word. We're going to be looking in Psalms 119. Um, it's about the middle of the, of the Bible, Psalms 119, and you've got to go to the 129th verse. So you're going to be booking it, looking for it. This is the longest chapter in the Bible. It's a very unique chapter, um, and I want to talk a little bit about that as we continue in the sermon. But the title of the sermon today is, How Do You React to God's Word? What kind of reaction do you have when you think about God's Word? Is it a duty? Is it drudgery? Is it a positive? Does it bring life to you? Do you treasure it? Do you devour it? Do you feel guilty for not knowing enough about it? How do you react to God's Word? Do you desire to spend time in the Word? Do you feel like you have the gist of it? You know pretty much what it has to say. Is it your go-to in times of crisis? Are you frantically looking for help in your time of need? But when things are going well, it just sits on a shelf. It's a resource book for you to look at later. Or is it a book that you strive to heed and obey and learn how to live? In a way that honors God. How do you react to God's word? There are many reasons why people strive to obey God's word. Fear of being punished. To secure a blessing from God. Because they love God. But the longer that we read God's word, the more wonderful it becomes. And the more we understand this great gift that God has given us in His Word, we begin to see the truth of God's Word lived out among us and in us. You see, God's Word is so amazing. We can experience the beauty of it, the harmony in it, the power of God's Word, His revelations, practical wisdom that comes from it. The more that we read God's Word, we realize that we cannot... Rely on our own thoughts and our own wisdom. I have a devotional book um, from the One Year Bible. I don't know, that came out years and years ago. There was a, um, uh, the Bible that was put chronologically, and you were supposed to read it in one year. And um, So there were some devotional guides that came with it. And so this man, Chris uh, Tigreen, T. Green, some kind of green, um, uh, wrote a devotional guide that went along with it. And this one is Walk with God. And in October the 15th of this, um, of, of this book, he writes something that was very um, compelling to me. So I want to read this quote. We have difficulty distinguishing between our God-given but distorted conscience and the pure, convicting voice of God. The Spirit of God dwells within us, but so do all sorts of misconceptions, anxieties, phobias, hang-ups, habits. When we think we hear His voice, is it a matter of godly revelation or is it our psychosis? In our discernment, there is a fine line between the two. In the reality of His kingdom, there is an unbridgeable division between them. We must learn to tell the difference. That is why a strict adherence to God's word is paramount. As our minds go through this renewal process, this transformation from old worldly ways of thinking to grasping and embodying the deep mysteries of the now revealed kingdom of God, we must saturate them in his words. His teaching must become the very first set of criteria used in our decision-making his wisdom must become the fire that melts us and that molds and shapes us. God's word is so important. We must be able to distinguish between our thoughts and the Lord's thoughts. And when we are praying to him, we must know, is this coming from you, God, or is this coming from my desires? And the only way that we can make a distinction between those two things is for us to know God better, to know his heart, to know who he is. And the only way that we can do that is by spending time in his word. And so it's paramount that we take the time, that we take the energy, and that we spend time in his word. It's a habit. It's a discipline. But it's not easy. I'm sure all of us have experienced great periods of success where we've been in his word every day and there's been times that we've been in the desert and we have not touched his word in a while so how how do we encourage ourselves and others to spend time with the word that changes our lives that draws us closer to god who loves us that can change the very nature of who we are to be more like him To be reminded of God's saving grace in His Son. How can we have success? And so, as we begin to read the Word and open and obey the Word and we're transformed by the Word, we begin to realize that God has given us an incredible gift. And the psalmist is wanting to help us be successful And so he gives us kind of a chain reaction of things and building blocks as we begin to read the word. More and more things happen and it solidifies our desire to be in his word. So I want us to look at this passage. It begins in verse 29 and many of your verses will begin with a letter, uh, a Hebrew letter right above verse 29 that says, pay. And there's the... Hebrew. Um, my Bible actually has the, um, the Hebrew alphabet written out. And this chapter is broken up into um, groupings or um, like in a song, verses um, given to each letter of the alphabet. There's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet and each one of them is talking about the importance of God's word. Um, You may remember in the second alphabet, which is is Beth, and in that it says, how can a young man keep his ways pure? By hiding God's word in his heart. Uh, You may remember um, a little bit later on, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's also another verse or chorus um, of this psalm. And so here we are at Pei. And so that letter um, actually represents the word mouth. Um, it follows the letter in, and that letter stands for eyes. So the Hebrew reader would imply, not only do I read God's word, but your word is spoken over me, and I open my mouth to take your word in as food for the soul. So even just a Hebrew letter can give us greater meaning to what this passage is about. And you will see in just three verses that he mentions the word "mouth," and that is why um, this um, passage was written for this letter. So let's read it. Verse 29: "Your decrees are wondrous, therefore I obey them. The revelation of your words bring light. And give understanding to the inexperience. I open my mouth and I pant because I long for your commands. Turn to me. Be gracious to me as is your practice towards those who love your name. Make my steps steady through your promise. Don't let any sin dominate me. Redeem me from your human oppression and I will keep your precepts. Make your face shine on your servant. Teach me your statues. My eyes pour out streams of tears because people do not follow your instruction. So here we are, three-fourths of the way through the alphabet. and, And the psalmist has been talking about the importance of God's word. And we get to the first verse that says, Your decrees are wondrous, therefore I obey them. So, we see in this chain reaction simple things. If you're taking notes, there's a couple of blanks that you fill in. And the first blank is wonder leads to obedience. Have you ever been reading God's word and then you apply God's word to your life and it actually works? And God just becomes greater and more amazing because his principles are true. I remember I was having some problems when I was a kid. Um, And there was just some fighting that was going on at school. And my mom directed me to the, the passage that says a soft answer turns away wrath. And it worked. It calmed the situation down. I remember several times in high school and in college when I was having to make some decisions and I didn't know where to go. And I was advised to go to Proverbs 3. Trust in the Lord with all your heart lean not on your own understandings and all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. And so I got on my knees and prayed and said, Lord, please help me. I don't know the path I'm supposed to take. I don't know the direction. There seems to be a lot of wisdom that are being thrown at me. I've asked questions from everyone I know and I've gotten all this advice and they're conflicting and it's not helpful. And so I'm on my knees praying, Lord, just help me know the way to go. And this passage came to my mind, trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understandings. So as I prayed to the Lord, as I spent time in his word, an answer became clear, the path became straight. And man, I was in awe that a God who created all things cared that much about this little decision that he would help me, help me walk faithfully with him. I think about the passage in Peter, cast all your cares on him because he cares for you. When things seem so overwhelming and so difficult. And I just felt like there was no way to see the light at the end. And I just fell down and just cast all my concerns upon the Lord. And wasn't it amazing? Haven't you done this before when you get up from that prayer and just the weight of the world had been lifted because you know that God cares for you. When we read God's word and we apply it to our lives and we see it actively changing us, it creates wonder. It creates a reality that God is so much bigger than we can possibly imagine. And we begin to know that this God, who is so amazing, cares for us. How can we not want to obey Him. See, wonder, amazement of who God is, draws us to obedience. And so it's important for us to look at God's Word, to see it and test it and see that it is true. And then we are more likely to obey it, to heed it. Let's see what comes next. The revelation of your words bring light, give understanding to the inexperience. Obedience, obeying God's word, leads to understanding. When we obey Him, we understand, now I see why that's the best way. Now I see what you are saying, Lord. Now I'm following you. It brings light. It brings light to darkness. God's Word exposes sin, exposes error, exposes the wrong way, and sheds light to His way. I'm reminded of a time when I was a youth minister in Georgia, and we took a group of kids to Stone Mountain. Stone Mountain is Georgia's attempt at uh, Mount Rushmore, and they have... uh, taken a side of a huge stone mound, carved something out of it. It's not complete, and they have this light show and all sorts of things that happen. It's beautiful, beautiful park. If you ever get a chance to go near Atlanta, you should go to Stone Mountain. But you can also walk up on top of the mountain. You can go up to the very top of it. It's pretty awesome. The view up there is pretty cool. And so I took a group of students there, and they decided late in the day, wouldn't it be fun to walk the mountain? Well, I'd encouraged everyone to bring a flashlight. They all laughed at me. They'd been to Stone Mountain their whole life. I was a newbie um, from Texas. What do I know? So I had my little trusty flashlight, and uh, we start going up the mountain. Just a group of us, not all of us, but just a group of us, about 15 students and a couple of adults were going up there. So we get up to the top. It's beautiful. We're looking at it. I realize that it's cloudy, and so it's going to get darker a little bit faster than we had anticipated So I said, hey, we need to start moving down the mountain. Guys, I think it's going to get dark soon. And sure enough, it did. It got dark really, really quick. So I pulled out my flashlight, and I was the only one that had one. And as we're going down this mountain, as long as we stayed within the light of the flashlight, everything was good. But you know, teenagers, they're not going to stay with you. There's going to be some that want to lag behind. There's going to be some that are running ahead. And then there's me with the flashlight. Right? So the people that were lagging behind started screaming. Someone had tripped and fallen over some roots. Scraped up their knee real bad. They can't make it down the mountain. They cannot walk one more step. Right? The kids that were running at the front Screamed, oh wow, y'all be careful, it falls off over here. (laughs) Awesome, I'm winning, I'm just winning at being the youth minister right now, right? My one little flashlight, not helping. It reminds me of this passage though. When we obey the Lord, when we obey the Lord, we get understanding and see that this is the path we're to walk. And as long as we stay within the light, We can make it down the mountain. We can make it through the difficulty. We won't trip up. But as it is with all of us, we either lag behind and are being disobedient, I don't want to follow, and we trip up. Or we run ahead because we're not going as fast as we want it to, and we trip up. And so the importance of God's word is telling us, His decrees are wondrous, we can obey them, we can trust them, and it gives understanding to the inexperienced. I'd never been to Stone Mountain before. I needed wisdom of how to get down. There were kids that have been going to Stone Mountain their whole life, but they'd never gone down in the dark without a light. We needed God to give us direction. We all need his direction. Let's keep moving. Verse 31 I open my mouth and pant because I long for your commands. Have you ever yearned? Have you ever panted because you were running so hard that you were out of breath just to follow what God had told you to do? Do you think this is what this passage means? Maybe. Job 23.12 says, I've not departed from the commands from his lips. I have treasured the words from his mouth more than my daily food. Jesus said, man should not live my bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He was quoting Deuteronomy 8.3. That's when Moses was reminding the people about them going into the wilderness and that they were hungry and God provided manna. And that it wasn't about manna, the bread, alone, but it was that God provided for them. Perhaps a more accurate depiction of panting and opening our mouth and exhaustion, running as hard as we can to follow God's commands, is because we who followed God's word then strayed and stopped, tried our worldly, human wisdom And it didn't work. And then we're frantically running back and saying, God, I want to follow you. I tried it on my own. It didn't work. And so I'm panting. I'm catching up to you and your word and trusting you. I tried it differently and that was wrong. Understanding leads to deep desire. The kids that lagged behind quickly got up to where the light was so they could see down the mountain. The kids that ran ahead stopped and waited for the light so they could make it the rest of the way down. Do we open our mouth and pant, and say, God, I just want to follow you. I've tried it my way. It didn't work. I'm trusting you and you alone. This desire, deep desire to follow him, some because of our mistakes, leads to our love for God. Let's read the next verse. Turn to me, be gracious to me, as is your practice towards those who love your name. When we mess up and we sin and we don't follow God and then we realize and repent and come back, he doesn't say, I told you so, Mark. What were you thinking? I wish I could say I was that gracious to the students as we were coming down Stone Mountain. I was not. I was on their case. Guys, you got to stay with the light. You're going to kill yourselves. What would I tell your parents? Right? But God did not say that. God is gracious. He turns towards us and he says, my way is higher than your ways. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. Trust me, know me, be still and know that I am God. He graciously turns towards us. You see, when we see God's word and realize how amazing and wonderful it is and true and it affects our lives and changes us for the better, how can we not obey him? How can we not obey those? Because it's for our good. It's for our best. And when we do that, then we begin to see the light dawns and we begin to see, understand God's ways really are better. The more and more I read his word, the more and more I follow after him, the more and more I discover it's true. I can hold on to it. I can trust this. And then when I veer off path, And choose my own way and realize that was the biggest mistake. And I run back to God. He's so gracious to me. How can I not love a God who says, you're my son, you're my child. John chapter 14 verses 21 through 24 says this. The one who has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. And the one who loves me will be loved by my father. I will also love him and reveal myself to him. Then Judas, not Iscariot, said to him, Lord, now is it your, how is it that you're going to reveal yourself to us and not to the world? And Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My father will love him and we will come to him and make our home with him. The one who doesn't love me will not keep my words. We obey the Lord, not because we're trying to gain something from him, but we obey the Lord and we look at his word because we love him. It's because of the abundance that he has done for us. How can we not follow him? Because He knows what's best. After all, He created us. He knows what's best for us. So the love of God leads us to accept His guidance and to accept His forgiveness and freedom. I love this next passage. Verse 33, 133, throw that one in there first. Make my steps steady through your promises. Make my steps steady through your promises. That's guidance. Make my steps steady because I'm walking in your word. We were walking down a mountain that was not flat. It was not paved. It had roots and boulders. It had all sorts of things that would cause us to stumble. But God could make our way steady as long as we stayed in the light. A church. I think that's an incredible message for us to hold to. we staying in God's word. Our path, no matter how rocky, we can walk it with steady pace if everything we do is filtered through God's word. And we would trust his guidance because more and more and more as we experience him, the more we trust him. And there will be time in your life if it hasn't happened yet, it will happen. That you'll look around and you can't see God. All the consequences, all the struggles of life are so deep around you, it's hard to see light. And in that day, if you've been spending time in his word, you can trust God's Heart. You can trust his promises. And you can be steady because you know he is here. And not only will our love for God lead to our willingness to be guided by him, it leads us to freedom. The next passage is pretty awesome. Don't let any sin dominate me. Have you ever had sin that's just dominated your life? Anger or hatred? Maybe it's a sin that is secret and is just hidden. No one else knows about it. But it just dominates everything you do. It takes your time, your money, your mind We need God's help. We cannot fix it on our own. And here the psalmist cries out, don't let sin dominate me. You can bring freedom. Freedom from sin. We know that ultimately comes through Jesus Christ. God's word who exposes our sins also has given us a path that we can confess our sins to Christ and, and confess our sins to the Lord and say, thank you, Christ, for dying on the cross and paying the penalty of this sin so that I can move forward in relationship with God. God has given us a freedom, a freedom from being enslaved to sin. What a huge gift that is. If you want to know more about that, go to Romans. There are so many passages in Romans that talk about how we are freed from sin. Chapter 8 in Romans would be a great place for you to just camp out and just read through that. But not only is it freedom from our sin, it also talks about in uh, the next verse, verse 34, redeem me from human oppression. And I will keep your precepts. Have you ever thought about human oppression really is us dealing with the sin of others upon us? We don't live in a vacuum. And so, not only does sin affect us when we sin, but other people's sins affect us and can be oppressive upon us. And so, while God's not gonna take away those situations, He is going to give us a way to love them. And to forgive them. Because we can forgive them with the same forgiveness that we've received through Christ. So this freedom is so complete. And this freedom in Christ brings us to God's great blessing. And that's the next verse. It talks about make your face shine on your servant. Teach me your statutes. If you... Watch the pastor show. I mentioned that um, about numbers, chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. If you didn't, go back and look at it. It's really good. Um, Also in Psalms 80, it talks about that the Lord restore us. Lord God of armies, make your face shine on us so that we may be saved. God wants to bless us. But in order to bless us, there's some things that have to happen. We've got to get sin out of the way. And the only way to get sin out of the way is for us to confess it and to move forward. And God's blessing then leads us to a compassion and a burden for the lost. Let's read 136. My eyes poured out streams of tears because people do not follow your instruction. We were not the only people. On Stone Mountain that night, there wasn't very many people that had flashlights. Um, a couple of weeks later, um, actually, a young man fell off the mountain. There was a fence that's, that lines it, and um, he fell off the side of the mountain and hurt himself pretty badly. Um, all the students came that night to church to tell me about it. Did you see? Were you aware? I'm so glad it wasn't us. And I said, yes, but how sad for him. He didn't have the light. He didn't have anyone showing him the way. We should be burdened for the lost. We should have a burden for people that aren't following after God's word. It should cause us to cry. It should cause great emotion. God's word, we should have a reaction not only for ourselves that it convicts us of sin, but it should also open our eyes to see that there are people that don't know God and need him. And it should cause us to action. We should humbly go before them and tell them about the news that we have, the good news, the hope, God's word. Have you ever wept for the lost, for those that were caught up in sin? Jesus did it. He wept over Jerusalem. Paul did it in Romans 9. Uh, He did it as well in Philippians chapter 3. Isaiah did it over the nation of Israel in Jeremiah and in the book of Lamentations. Have you ever wept for the lost? Have you ever been overwhelmed by the foolishness of sin? The short-term enticement gives way to the long-term destruction and consequences of our behavior? Have you seen a loved one or people at work or maybe in your neighborhood that are struggling because they're just not following after God's word? If they only knew, have you known someone who claimed to be a Christian, but they have little to no regard of God's word? They continue to live in sin without conviction or desire to repent and turn back to God. 1 John 1, 9 and 10 says this. I'll start with verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him, and yet we walk in darkness, we're lying and are not practicing the truth. If we walk in the light as he himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus' His Son cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin... Or deceiving ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make Him a liar and His word is not in us. So how do you react to God's word? There are many ways to React wrongly. But the psalmist has given us a guide, a chain reaction of sorts to interact with God's Word. How we approach the Bible with wonder and awe, we have to take a step of faith. And as we read His Word, trust Him and step out believing. That he is who he says he is. And his word is true. Because faith comes by hearing. And hearing the word of God. And we must confess our sins. That's something that we have to do each day. It's not something that you do once and accept Christ as your savior. And then you never have to confess a sin again. We have to continually go to God's word and say... Where is it that I'm not living with you, honoring you? And can you help me cut that out so I can walk in harmony with your word and your spirit? We have to be willing to do that. Twice in the New Testament, the word of God is used Um, With the analogy of being a sword. Ephesians and the armor, um, the, the armor of God, it's the only offensive weapon. And then another time in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and effective and sharper than any double edged sword. It's penetrating as far as the separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It's able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. No creature is hidden from him, but all things are naked and exposed to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. God's word exposes sin in our hearts, and that should convict us. But don't lose heart, keep reading. Therefore, verse 14 since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession that I'm a sinner. And I need a savior, and the only one who saves is Jesus. That's our confession. I added that so you knew what that was. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who's been tempted in every way as we are yet without sin. Therefore, let's approach the throne of grace with boldness so that we will receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. God's word convicts us of sin. This is true. And then in humility, we approach the Lord and say, we need you. We need a savior. You're the only one that can save us from this mess. And then only then can we then turn to our neighbor and say, we have a word of hope for you. Not because we're perfect. Christianity does not mean perfection. (laughs) Christianity just means that we know who can heal us when we are broken. And that is the Lord. And so we turn to those people and we say, I'm weeping because God's word is where you can find rest, where you can find peace, where you can find hope, that you can walk steady through any part of life when you're walking on the promises of God. So, oh, church, let us not forget that the most important thing that we can do is to know his word, because when we know his word, we know his heart And when we know his heart, how can we not obey him? How can we not walk in his ways? How can we not love those around us? His word changes our very lives. Today, maybe as you've been listening, you've had to ask the question, do I really love God's word? Does it really bring life to me? Maybe you've discovered that no, but you want it to. Today, there's some things that you can do. Maybe you need to start a relationship with the Lord. Very beginning, just to ask Christ into your heart. Let him be Lord and Savior of your life. There will be ministers down at the front that would love to talk with you about that this morning. Don't delay. Maybe you need to commit to reading God's word. You certainly can do that at your seat. Maybe you need to come to the altar and just to pray and to make a strong commitment that you will read His Word each day, that He will open your eyes to see the wonders of His Word and it will cause you to fall in love with His Word. Maybe you're carrying a burden for someone who's not trusting God in His Word and you just need to come to the altar and pray for that person. There's so many ways for you to engage in the invitation today, whether at your seat or here at the altar. Don't let the invitation of God calling you to relationship with him go without you answering it. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for this day. Thank you for giving us an opportunity to look at your word, to be challenged by it, to be reminded that you love us so deeply that this really is a book not of rules, but it really is an invitation and a letter to us, a letter of love saying you care and created us and you know the best way for us. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and our minds, that we would respond in the way that you're calling us to without delay. In your sons' name, we pray, amen. Would you please stand?